I'd just like to say tonight, first of all, that <clears throat> it is an honour that I can stand here tonight and tell you about my Lord and Saviour. And I would just like to thank Pastor Tim for giving me the opportunity. And if I could just start off by reading a verse of scripture, and it's found in John 15 and verse 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So I'll just give you a wee bit of a background history. Uh, I'm the eldest of five children. I have one brother and three other sisters and <clears throat> grew up being sent really till the Free Presbyterian Church from children, uh, sent to the gospel meetings and till Sunday school. So I really thank my parents for giving us that early start in life. Around the age of eight or nine, my mum and dad separated and my dad used to come and collect us on a Sunday and come six o'clock I used to be glad to get my brother and sisters dropped off because I loved to get away with my dad till another church meeting and it was just me and him and I got him all to myself so I enjoyed that. But around the age of 13 uh, I started to go till the youth fellowship in the Elam and Banbridge. Really enjoyed the, the fellowship there and also at that time in my life I met a boy in high school. So <clears throat> He used to come and tell me he'll come to these wee Friday night meetings and he used to be sitting waiting, but he never came. So I can remember talking to my dad one night and saying, you know, he keeps saying he's going to come to these and he never comes, he always lets me down. But my dad said, you know, Suzanne, he says, you can't have one foot with the world and one foot with the Lord. So for me, that led me to a life then of continuing to see Darren and church and God then was just sort of picked to the side. <clears throat> That also led then until just being out of high school and having my son, Jamie Lee. So that was a very difficult time in my life and my parents. And really, without their love and support and my family's love and support, I really don't know how I would have done it. <clears throat> Darren and I separated around the age of I was about 18 or so. Jamie Lee was just coming around too. So that really left Jamie Lee and I in our house of our own. I was in house of my own really from I was 16. And that just left Jamie Lee and myself. I remember Jamie Lee uh, started school, he was going into P1 and um, he had to go to a wee school trip and he needed money for the school trip and he also needed a packed lunch, a nice packed lunch, not just your normal sandwiches. And I thought, what am I going to do? I have no money, I have nothing in the house to give to him and I can't send him to school with nothing. But that night at 10 o'clock a rock come to my door and my dad was standing there and he never said a word, he just put his hand in his top pocket and handed me £10. I said, Dad, how did you know I needed that? And he just pointed up. So even though I had forgot God, God hadn't forgot me, and he seen my need at that time, and I didn't even know at that time to be praying to be asking God for help. But <clears throat> that sort of time then I started to go back to church with my dad, and, you know, as I always would have thought, if my dad had asked me to go to a gospel meeting, I would have went out of love and respect as I thought for him. But as my mum once told me, regardless of the reason we think we come to church, the seed's still being sown. So <clears throat> I started to go back with that, and after a few services, really started to question my life and sort of think, you know, what happens after you die? You know, you know, where do you go and where would I be, you know, if I died? And <clears throat> I can remember going, I started a job in Lisburn, actually, and I got a manager's job, and the girl that would have been my original manager because I was now manager myself, the two of us got more time together in our lunch than that. 
But she had said to me one day, you know, Suzanne, every time I'm out with you, <clears throat> all you do is talk about God. And I thought, no, I don't. And she was like, you do. And I thought, well, I don't realize I'm doing that. And my mum had actually made the same comment one day, me and her were sitting up the town, and she says, you know, all you seem to talk about is God. So I really do believe, looking back now, that was the start of God really starting to work in my life. Jim Lee came to me one night then, and he said, he gave me a book, and he says, Mum, would you read my story? And he gave me the story of Noah's Ark. And I really wasn't even aware that he had the story. But I can remember reading that story and thinking, you know, God was able to hear Noah. He was able to have that communication with him. He knew what God was telling him to do. I remember thinking, like, what would that be like to actually hear God talk to you and tell him? You know, God knew to obey that voice. So that really stood out with me. But I remember going to a church service in Scarborough Hall. And through the service, I really was. I was just very unsettled through it. I just knew that, well, I didn't know, but I know now the Lord was dealing with me. And after the service went over, we were going to my dad's for tea, but I took my own car and Jamie Lee, he went on with my dad. So I was in the car by myself, and to be honest, it was not so much of a state. I really don't know how I drove the car from Scarborough to Banbridge, because I was crying that much, and all I could think of is, if you were killed in a car accident right now, you're going straight to hell. And I thought, like, how's my parents going to cope with that, knowing that I have a decision to make, to make my life right before God, and I haven't taken that decision? I thought, how are they going to feel knowing that? So <clears throat> after that service, so maybe a few days after it, I got a phone call from this girl, Libby, that I worked with. And she says, Anne, you've been awfully in my heart lately. And she says, I really believe you're under conviction. And I says, well, you know, what, what does conviction mean? And she says, you know, whenever she explained it to me, I thought, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I can't sleep at night. All's in my head is, where am I going to go if I die? I'm not right with God. So I really do believe that was really the Lord's conviction power in my life at that time. <clears throat> also at this stage in my life then, I was engaged to be married and the guy John that I was engaged to had friends coming home from America that he really wanted me to meet. But because I was feeling the way I was feeling, I really didn't want to go and I thought, how am I going to get out of this? So I thought, right, well, I'll phone my dad and I'll say, look, I'll take you out for dinner and then I'll have plans made so I'll not have to go to the bar. <laughs> But of course, I phoned my dad and said, what do you do on the Saturday night? And he was like, oh, I have such and such planned. And I was like, it's not like him to have plans on a Saturday night. So I came off the phone and I actually had a conversation with God. And I was like, Lord, I have to go to the bar now. I have no excuse not to be going. If I go to the bar, I'm going to end up taking a drink. But didn't want to go. But the Saturday night came around anyway and I went out. And to be quite honest, I knew really from going I didn't want to be there. And whenever I went in, it didn't change. And... The conviction power really on my life then at that time, I couldn't even settle in the bar. All I could think of was, if the Lord comes back the night, you're going to be left behind. He's not taking you. And it disturbed me that much. I just had to get up and come home. But <clears throat> I had already planned I was going with church, to church with Dad on the Sunday. So Dad, he came and collected Jamie Lee and I, and we went off to church. And on the Sunday morning, my Uncle Billy was preaching. And I found out afterwards that my Uncle Billy actually wasn't supposed to take the service that morning. But he started to preach, and he started to preach in Noah's Ark, and about God speaking to Noah, and about God telling Noah to do something, and how Noah obeyed that voice. And all I can think of is, God has been speaking to you for weeks and months on end, and you're not listening to him. You're not doing what he's telling you. He's telling you you need to get right. 
So I really thought through that service, I definitely have to give my life to the Lord. Come the end of the service, there was a voice saying, oh, don't do anything yet, just let it sit, don't be doing nothing yet. But really, come the end of that service, my dad came down and I was in a state, and he says, are you all right? He says, are you ready to go? And I honestly could tell you, I really felt as if I physically couldn't move off the chair. And I said, Dad, I can't leave here. I said, I need to get my life right with the Lord. So my dad called our pastor, Tommy, at the time, and he came over, and my dad and my pastor led me to the Lord. And that was on the 7th of September, 2004. So I really give the Lord all the glory and all the praise, even for the things he's done in my life, because really at that time, my life done a complete 180 degree turn. From everything I knew, completely changed. As I said, I was engaged to be married. That relationship broke down. And um, my brother Guy took me down to the White Whale and I got a whole new circle of friends, Christian friends, and attended meetings at least four times a week. And just really enjoyed the fellowship there. And I really do believe anybody that's just newly saved, you really do need to get yourself into the church and into people of your own age that you can fellowship with, because that really is a big, it's a big thing. A few months probably after I was saved, I can remember Stanton in Friar Talks. It was actually a bit of a loose end on a Friday night, and I thought, I'll phone my dad and my brother, and I'll see what they're doing. I'll take them up some fish and chips. So I went to get them food, and I was in Friar Talks, and there's a bar just straight across the road from it, a bar that I would have drank in. And I can remember Stanton looking out the window, and I seen a few of my friends going in. And all I could hear the wee voice saying, how sad are you? Friday night, there's all your mates out there having a great time. You're going to sit in with your daddy and your brother. You're so sad. And I sort of just hung my head. And the next thought came into my head was, do you remember the night you were that drunk, you fell out of a taxi? And all I could think was, well, praise the Lord, with your help, I'll never be in a state like that again. So that's just how the enemy comes in sometimes, just to sort of get you off the track. But... As I said, I was uh, going to the White Well at this stage and I had a friend, Kelly, and she had said to me one night, are you doing anything at the weekend? And I was like, no, I've no plans yet. And she says, well, I have a blind date for you. And I thought, oh, here we go. And at that stage, really, it was just Jimmy Lee and I. I was happy and I was really just enjoying just fellowshipping with people, no interest. And um, I thought, oh, we'll go anyway. And the girls from work were all... Well, what are you going to wear? And I was like, I'm going for a bit of crack. We're going to Thunderland. I thought it's just a bit of crack. I'm... So, of course, Jeff, he arrived up in the big BMW, and I thought, well, here, this is a good start. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, who's a bit of a BMW man, so I thought, well, here. And I thought, Lord, you know, all the ones I've picked so far, they've been no good, so I would just leave whatever one to get now up to you. But um, get into the car with Jeff anyway, and I would probably say within 15 minutes of talking to Jeff and hearing him talk, I thought, you know what, he would do for me. He's on the same page as me. <laughs> he's just the type of person that says, if he's going to do something, he's going to go and do it. And I thought, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that I would be. I've been, you know, so independent from such a young age, always having to sort of do things for myself. And I thought, he's the type of guy that would do you all right for me. So that led us then literally till uh, getting married. We got engaged and we were married. So we met in 2005 and we were married in 2008. And um, we have, I have Jamie Lee and Jeff, he has my stepson Brady there. And uh, so we were quite sort of happy enough just that being the two of us at that stage with Brady and Jamie and hadn't really thought of any children of our own. So probably a few years have passed and we sort of have been thinking about it and, you know, sort of thought maybe we would like, you know, a child of our own. 
So I'd went to prayer, the prayer meeting on the Wednesday night, and um, my uncle Billy again, he called a prayer line, and I went up to get prayer for Jamie Lee. But as I was in the prayer meeting, I just told him obviously what it was I was looking prayer for for Jamie. But he started to pray, and all of a sudden his prayer line started to change. And he started to pray about Hannah and the Bible, crying on to the Lord for a child. And I remember going home that night and saying to Jeff, you know, something really strange the night happened in the prayer meeting. Because obviously nobody knew that Jeff and I had had the conversation a few days before. And I said, you know, Billy started to pray and prayed about Hannah and the Bible. So I actually found out I was pregnant with Olivia, our daughter, the next month. So I really believe that was the hand of God. Olivia, she's now seven, or she was got saved at the age of seven. And... Um, I feel I'm just truly blessed to have her. And Jamie Lee's now married and I have four beautiful wee grandchildren. And my stepson Brady now is 18. He's sitting here the night too, so that's lovely. Um, <clears throat> just a few years back, my mum gave her life back to the Lord. And um, I really feel, you know, my mum's always been such an encouragement and supporting my life. And it's just lovely, you know, because... Whenever she would give you advice, and she always gives you really good advice. But the advice now my mum gives me is godly and wisdom advice, and I'm just so thankful to have her. So I have a wee verse of scripture here, uh, and it's just in Proverbs verse 3, verse 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And you know, I remember my dad telling me he could never live a day without the Lord in his life. And that stage I didn't know the Lord. And I thought, how is that even possible? Whenever you can't physically see someone, how can you not live without them? But I know myself, I couldn't live without him. And I love him with all of my heart. And I don't ever want to imagine my life without him in it. Um, I would just like to even bring you around now, just tell how I, the things even just that I feel the Lord has really done in my life, even just in the past few months. And again, it's just just the way the Lord sometimes would prompt you. Um, I was in a job for 11 years and I really felt the Lord was just putting it on my heart that it was time to leave that job. But didn't really know, is this me or is this God? You know, and I kept sort of thinking about it and not doing anything about it and thinking about it. Spoke to Jeff and didn't do anything about it. But I really do believe it was off the Lord. And one day I was out with my friend Lynn, we were out having lunch. And whenever I dropped her back home, she was like, what are you going to do now? And he's me, I'm just going home. I said, I'm going to go home and do a bit of tidying up before I have to lift Olivia from school. But as I dropped Lynn off and I drove out of her development, I feel as if the Lord spoke to me and told me to go now and get parked outside your work and give your notice. So my heart was absolutely pounding out of my chest and I got a park and I phoned Jeff quickly and here's me. I'm phoning you really quickly here because I really feel like to give my notice in and if I leave it any longer I'll not do it. <laughs> so he was like okay right right we'll phone me when you come out. So I went into the office into head office and I was so nervous my tongue was actually stuck to the roof of my mouth and I had to say to one of the office girls could you just get me a glass of water please. So she went and she thought what's going on Suzanne's on her day off you know what's going on. So the girl from HR got in and she says, you know, is everything okay? And I said, you know, I want to give you my notice. And she was just in complete shock. And she's like, you know, what, what's happened? Or I said, absolutely nothing has happened. And I said, I've been praying about this and I really feel the Lord's telling me I need to leave my job. And she says, you know, they offered me quite a few things. And I said, you know, I'm not here for you to say if you do this or do that. I'm here because I really feel the Lord's telling me it's time for me to leave this job. 
And she says to me, well, Suzanne, if you do feel, you know, that this is not where you want to be, she says, what do you think it is you'd like to do? And I said, you know what I would love to do? I said, I would love to be in a Christian bookshop, in a coffee shop, where I could be talking to people about the Lord. And at this stage, I knew nothing about this church. I knew nothing. So I didn't know that there was going to be a Christian bookshop or a coffee shop. But that's the exact words that I said to her. And she says, oh, yeah, I could maybe see you in that situation. Yeah, yeah, but sort of. So I can remember coming out of the office, and I really did feel as if a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I just prayed, and I said, Lord, my life's in your hands. And I just pray now that you will put me where you want me to be, you know, just to be used of you. So a few months, I had went then, my director had called me, and then after it, and he had spoken, and he said, don't be doing nothing rash, take your time, there's always a job here for you. So I said to him, no, I feel this is the right thing to do. And I said, you know, I'll wait and see. I said, I have nowhere to go, so it's not as if I need to leave next week. I said, I can work even if it's the next month, you know, whatever you need. So as that month went on, I really knew that I enjoyed retail and I enjoyed that end of my job. But I started to doubt. You know, things came in, my paycheck came in, that really made me doubt. And I thought, you're giving up, you're going to be walking away, you have nothing. You know, you have, you have absolutely nothing, what are you going to do? And I thought to myself, you know, is this of me or was this of God? Like, was this just my decision? So I went to church that Sunday and... Tommy had said, you know, if there's anybody in the meeting feels they need prayer, you know, come and see us afterwards. So I thought, I'm going to go and just get prayer. I just really need confirmation that this isn't me, this is God. So I went and I spoke to Tommy and my Uncle John was there. And I said, you know, I just have made a decision about my job and I just, just am starting to doubt. And automatically my Uncle John started to pray. And whenever he started to pray, he says, Suzanne, he says, it's your time to go. He says, you have planted the seed in that place. And he says, you now need to go somewhere new and plant that seed. And he says, it's like Abraham and the going into the unknown city. And you see, just when I got that, I thought to myself, you know, Lord, I'm confident now that I know this isn't just me. So I'm back into work that Monday and I said, you know, I want to give you a notice and I want to be out of here by the 26th of June. So I left that job on June and I thought to myself, what I'll do is I'll just take the summer out of it. I'll be with Olivia, spend a bit of time with her and I'll look for something come September. So it was only about two weeks coming into the start of July and I was just starting to think about jobs and where am I going to go to get a job and but not looking too much thinking there's no point for planning yet because I don't want none to come September. So uh, I literally was talking to the Lord one morning and it's just like saying like Lord where am I going to go to get a job? You know uh, anything I've been looking at you know it's all like four-hour contracts, eight-hour contracts. I thought, like, I kind of want what I had, like, sort of three to four days. And um, I don't really want to be going to late nights. So sort of, like, giving the Lord a list in a sense, but sort of thinking of what I wanted. So that was around nine o'clock that morning. And uh, 11 o'clock, I was up in Tesco's, and <clears throat> my phone had rang. Olivia didn't answer it. She says, Mommy, there's a missed call for you. So I was driving the car, and I just hit the recall button. And... It was a place in Banbridge where I'm working now. And she says, Suzanne, she says, you don't know me. She says, but I have heard you've left your job and I'd be very interested in speaking to you. And I was that taken aback. And I was like, oh, I, I, I'm not actually looking at a job to September. I said, I don't know who you've been speaking to. And she was like, no, she says, well, I'd still be very interested in talking to you. So she says, could you come in and see me this evening? And I said, well, actual fact, I'm going to be in Banbridge this evening. I said, it's my granddaughter's birthday. And I said, I have to be in Banbridge for six o'clock. She says, that would be perfect. You came in to me just after five. 
So that morning, whenever I was talking to the Lord, I was saying to the Lord, like, how am I even going to prepare for an interview? I haven't done an interview in 11 years. But whenever I came home that evening, I said, I was praying to the Lord, and I said, you know, Lord, I just need you to help me. And the fact is, if this is where you want me to be, I'm not going to be nervous about this interview, because unless it's of you and this is where you want me to be, I don't feel a vang to be nervous about. It wasn't a job that I had went looking for. But I went in, and it was so relaxed, and I told the girl, I said, you know, I was praying this morning, and I thought, Lord, if this job's off you, I want to take you with it, and I want to make my stand from the start off to let them know where I stand. And I said, you know, I was praying, and I was talking to the Lord this morning about an interview and how I was going to do an interview. And I says, I didn't know the day that I'd be sitting in an interview, but, I said, but he knew all about it. She started to laugh. So I really felt that through that interview, I interviewed her because I had so many questions for her. And at the end, when we were coming out, I says, can I come back to you? And then I started to laugh. And he said, oh, hold on. I says, maybe you know you want to come back to me. I said, you know, maybe you don't want me now that you've been talking to me. She says, no. She says, could you start before September? And he said, no, can't start before September. And she says, well, she says, I'm prepared to wait for you. So I went home and I said to Jeff, what do you think? Do you think it's it off the Lord? He says, of course, a job you didn't have to go looking for. He says, it's less hours, more money, and something you're going to love doing. So that's the job I'm in now, and I do really feel truly blessed. And now the fact is, we didn't know, as I say, anything about this church. So that was really a change in my life that I felt the Lord was starting to change in me. And then just Jeff, believed the Lord was working in him as well. And we had been talking a few times, you just you know, about our fellowship and that, and... Jeff had said about Tran over here in Ballinahenshaw, we had sort of made the decision we were going to look for a new fellowship. We had sort of felt the Lord really impressed that upon, you know, Jeff and I both. Again, I didn't know anything about this church, and Jeff had said, you know, I would like to go over to Ballinahenshaw. So I can remember the first service coming in, and to be honest, when I came through those doors, the tears started and I couldn't stop, and I cried the whole way through the service. And I came out, and Jeff, he had been crying as well, and he says, that was powerful. He says, I feel the Lord spoke to me in that service and told me this is where he wants us to be. And I can remember saying, well, you know, Jeff, the Lord has to tell me that this is where he wants me to be too. As he has to confirm this to me. <laughs> so <clears throat> second service saying, I really do feel, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, Lord, this is just lovely. You know, I do really feel this is where God does want us to be. But then I said, like, but Lord, I need you now to confirm this to Olivia because this is so much for her as well. So I had said that in the prayer on the way home in the car. I was thinking, Lord, I need you now to be really little, so we love you, you know, and if this is down here, you want us to be as a family. And we came back to church that Sunday night, and Olivia met a few of the girls here. We, um, Aaron and Amira, and that had come up to her. And she got into the car that night, and she says, Mommy, Dad, I says, I can't wait to go back to church next Sunday because I just love it there. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Because <laughs> thought... That's you confirming again. But I just, I'm so grateful that the Lord has brought us in to the fellowship and everybody has been so lovely and so kind. And it's just lovely to feel as if you've made friends. But if I have time, I would like to share um, just something that had happened uh, a few years back. Just again, just the prompting of God. Uh, it was we Olivia's birthday and we had celebrated her birthday on the Saturday. And on the Monday, I had said just to my sisters and my dad and mum that, you know, if they wanted to call up in the house on the Monday evening just for a bit of birthday cake and a cup of tea. So Jeff, he was taking his motorbike for the MOT. <clears throat> and all through that day, the only way I can explain it is it just kept coming to me in waves. 
you need to pray for Jeff before he leaves the house tonight. You need to pray for Jeff. And it just stayed with me all day. And no matter what I was doing, I've been doing something, and all of a sudden, you need to pray for Jeff. So Jeff, he came in rushing as usual, and he had to I straight up the stairs and down again, and he came down, and all the leathers on and the helmet on. And I thought, right, and the house was full at this stage, my sisters and all were there. So I went over and I took his helmet off and I kissed him and I put my arm around him and I just prayed inwardly over him because there was people in the house. And I went back out, he got onto the back and I went back out to him again. He said, how long are you going to be? And he says, I'll be half an hour over there. He says, and half an hour back. He says, an hour or so. He says, just straight over and back. I says, that's okay. So I went into the house and um, my sister Karen, who's here tonight, she said, are you always like this every time he goes out on that motorbike? And I says, no, not normally. I says, but... As long as I sort of have an idea in my head of how long he's going to be, I just can sort of settle myself. So Karen had just poured me a cup of tea, and I literally had walked around and sat at the table. And the next minute, a young fella who I'd never seen before came rushing through the front of my house saying, come quick, come quick, this boy's come off the bike. And I looked at Karen and I thought, is somebody having me on? And then I thought, they would we do that? And I ran out to the side of the house, and it was probably just maybe from here to the back of the church there, Jeff was laying and went down and he was unconscious and there was a few of the neighbours, the men had come out and I can remember instantly getting all on my knees and I prayed out loud and I said thank you Lord, thank you Lord that this didn't happen on a main road because I thought if this is how bad this is now and he's unconscious how much worse would it have been if this had happened on the main road and the car hit him but the ambulance was, came, he's probably unconscious for a good 10 or 15 minutes in and out of consciousness and worked with him for quite a bit in the ambulance and that and he had cracked ribs and his elbow and a small bleed in the brain <clears throat> but i just really do believe that the lord prompted that praying all day for him and i do believe that the accident wasn't worse than what it was but you know sometimes you do you know i would doubt sometimes you know, you get the feelings and you sort of think is it me or is this god but you know i would just always say if there's something prompting you to do something Go ahead, you know, do it, because at the end of the day, it's only for his glory. And just the final thing I'd like to leave with you is another situation with Olivia, actually. And again, it was around, we just celebrated her third birthday. And it was the 19th of April, and I was going down to Ikea. <coughs> I had my wee stepson Brady with me at the time. And I had phoned my sister Julian, who lived in Belfast, and said, I'm going down to Ikea, do you fancy coming for the run out? She says, no, I'll not bother going, she says, because I have quite a lot to do. So I says, that's no problem. So I was heading down to Belfast, and Julian rang me back. And she says, if you haven't passed my way yet, I've changed my mind, I'm going to come with you. And I said, well, that'll do well, because I'm just coming up here to the Odyssey now. I shall swing around and get you. So we went down to the Ikea, and we, Brady and Olivia, was playing with each other that much. They were making so much fun and laughter that there's actually a security guard outside Ikea. So he was coming over and talking, and ha he was laughing at the much fun the two of them was having together. So we went into Ikea anyway, and I had went on round till um, the wee children's section, and there's like a wee play area there, and they have like wee, like wee slides and stuff, you know, for the kids to play on. So Olivia, she went down the slide, but whenever she got to the bottom of it, she just lay there. She didn't get up. And I remember saying to her, I said, what's she doing? Why is she not getting up? So I went over and I picked her up, and... She just didn't seem herself. And I said, Julian, do you know what? I said, let's just go and get these shelves. And I said, we'll go back to yours for a cup of tea and I'll, you know, get her settled and whatever. 
So I went down to the shelving department and um, Olivia was over my shoulder this time and my sister Julian was behind me and she was poking and she says, Olivia, you're like a wee floppy teddy bear. And the next minute Olivia just completely flopped out of my arms and her eyes started to roll in her head and her wee mouth started to foam at the mouth. And I can remember shouting out immediately, you know, please, I need a first aider, I need a first aider. And a young fella, and I would say, honestly, this young guy that came, I would say if he was 21 or 22 was the height of it. And I can remember him taking Olivia off me and he put his hand up her wee top and he said, this can't be happening. And I kept shouting, we need, a, we need an ambulance, phone the ambulance. So he had Olivia on his, across his knee and I was down on my knees, you know, uh, trying to talk to her and I knew she wasn't responding. And two nurses came, they said they were two nurses in broken English, they were Polish. And they started to shake me by my arms and tell me, you need to give her mouth to mouth, she's drowning in her own fluid, you need to give her mouth to mouth. And then the wee guy that had Olivia, that was the first day, was telling me, you can't touch her, you can't touch her. So I fell on my knees and I started to pray out loud. And I prayed, Lord, I need you to come on the scene. There's absolutely nobody here can help me. There's nobody here can help Olivia. I need you now to come on the scene and touch her. And my sister, Jolene, said to me, and I remember, she says, as soon as you prayed, she says, a man came out of the crowd. And I never forget it. And he came down and he sat beside me. And I said to him, I took his arm, he's me, are you a doctor, are you a doctor? And he was like, no. He says, but everything's going to be okay. And he put his finger into her mouth, you know, to hold her tongue down. And as soon as, I, the next thing I remember is the ambulance coming in. And it just seemed to me as if one minute that man was there and the next minute he was gone. And my sister will still testify of that. She actually had to take four days off her work. She was that traumatized with everything that it went on. But I really do believe, the Bible says that we entertain angels on our and I do believe that the Lord sent just at that time. So at this stage, Olivia still wasn't responsive, and the ambulance guy, he was there, and they were working with her and that, and whenever they started, I can remember walking out, and I remember the ambulance man putting his arm around me, and she just started to whimper. And he said, you know, that's the best sound you'll ever hear, he says, because she's starting to respond. And I got out and in the ambulance with her, they were still working with her, I got on to the phone to my dad and I said, Dad, you need to pray. There's something wrong with Olivia and I don't know what it is, but you need to pray. So he was at the side of the road. He said he stopped and he got out and he prayed and he phoned my brother then. He was praying. Jeff was on his way down and whenever I got to the hospital, my mum was actually there and all my sister Jolene was able to phone her and she was at the hospital waiting for us. And I just think to myself, you know, Again, God went before me that day because you see if Julian hadn't been there, Brady was there and I would say Brady was maybe nine or ten at the time. So he was traumatised at having to witness that with Olivia. There would have been nobody there to take him home. I'd have been on my own going on an ambulance with Olivia and Brady would have been by himself. Julian was able then to drive my car to the Royal and take Brady with her. And Jeff's mum and dad then they, they came along to him and prayed. So they had said that Olivia had, she, she fitted three more times in the they are in the hospital, I don't even know what you call the room that they took her into. She fitted three more times and uh, they couldn't get a wee line into her. But just everybody was praying and <clears throat> they kept her overnight that night and they came round to me the next day and they said, we believe Olivia's had what you call a febline convulsion, where she's had a temperature and her temperature expect that much that it's nearly does something in the brain, I'm not sure. But I thank the Lord, you know, she never ever took anything like that again and they had said to me you know if you look that up on the internet he says the way people describe that is watching their child die in front of them and to be quite honest that's exactly what i thought i thought you know she's not responding to me mm -hmm. but i just 
really do believe that the Lord goes before us. He knows every situation. And even the fact of Jeff's motorbike accident that night, the fact that my sister Karen was there, my sister Debbie was there, my son Jamie was there, on a normal Monday night they wouldn't have been there. Again, I would have been in an ambulance with Jeff and Olivia would have been left with a neighbour. So I'm so thankful for the fact that my family was surrounded there at that time as well. So I'm just so grateful for the things that God has done in my life. And as I say, I really couldn't live a day without him. And I just want to give him all the glory and the honour because it's only because of him that I can stand here tonight and testify of what he's done. And I would just like to leave a question with you tonight. And it's just, if the Lord was to come back tonight, are you ready to meet him? Thank you.